Time for another episode of Necromaniacs. How's it going, Mike? It is going well. What's up, everybody? As Mike said, of course, you're listening to the Necromaniacs podcast, the horror podcast coming at you once again. Um, I'm good, man. You know, uh, February is rolling on, busy with work. Uh, I actually have a, a show for the last stand booked for April, which is great with Sworn Enemy in Brooklyn. So there's a little plug for that one. So uh, where's that at? Shake, um, at the Sovereign. Okay. In uh, I guess that's uh, Red Hook. Not Red Hook. It's uh, Bushwick, I think. Okay. Uh, Club Sovereign. I have not been there. So uh, unless it is the same building as Arrogant Swine, then I have been there. So I'm a little confused about it. But it's that place called the Sovereign with us and Sworn Enemy and Ben uh, Kings Never Die, who are also friends of ours. So that should be fun. It's funny how it seems like there's a lot of new spots that popped up that might have tried to open before the pandemic that now are actually having shows. Yes, and I think this is the case here. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, you know, sometimes you you hunker down in the winter, you don't play much, but we actually haven't played since September of last year, the last stand. So we're due. I mean, it's going to, that's going to be our first show of the year and, We've got some other stuff in the works and and uh, perhaps uh, some other things musically this year that are in the works, but uh, which I'm not at liberty to say. But um, so that's always good. Um, and aside from that, you know, uh, on the work front, things are busy and enjoying the fact that I have caught up with everything I wanted to catch up with on the TV viewing front, uh, you know, the streaming service front. I've caught up with Dexter. I've caught up with Yellow Jackets. I've caught up with uh, Boba Fett. Um, <laughs> so, oh, I also caught up with Ozark. Oh, See, man. these are all shows yeah. I actually like. So, yeah, I wanted to, you know, get them all done, so to speak. Now I am watching um, Euphoria on HBO Max. Are you familiar with Euphoria, Mike? You know what? I, everyone's telling me that it's really good, but then they explain mm-hmm. to me what it's about, and I'm like... I'm a grown man. Like, what the fuck do I have to watch a show about high school chicks? You know what I mean? I don't know. Is, okay. it, good? is it good? Yes. It, because it is more than just a show about high school chicks, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> the show is brutal. Oh. Um, it is really graphic. Uh, it can be very violent. It can have a lot of sex. It has tons of drug use. Uh, it centers around a drug addict who's a high school high school student who's a drug addict, uh, which is the girl Zendaya from the, you know the Spider Man movies, and she's like a huge star. Dune, um, it's her show basically, but the entire cast is f- really fucking good, and this new season two is literally even better than the first season from back in 2019. Um, there's just been really great use of like music and, I mean, uh, even vibes of like you know. Scorsese, Goodfellas oh, moments. Wow. Okay. It's, it's, it gets very interesting and very wild. Um, I would recommend you check it out 100%, actually. Um, take the advice of the people who have told you to check it out. And me, Mike. So yeah, please, I, I mean, you know, yours is probably the most uh, reliable one, really, because you like so many mm-hmm. different types of people have been telling me about this. And your recommendation and my drummer Justin's recommendation really okay. made, made me take it to heart. You know what I mean? I will say this, and I think some listeners will agree. If you are someone with teenage children, this might not be the show for you. Um, <laughs> I know people who have teenage children and find the show very hard to watch. Don't watch it or stop watching it. So there's that. Um, you and I do not have children. So we don't have that particular baggage. However, it is it is wild is, is a word I will use. It is wild. It is it is graphic. It is very intense. Um, it is probably one of the best things on television right now, honestly. Wow. So, wow, that's uh, quite yeah. quite a recommendation, man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, right. I back that wholeheartedly. Um, 
very interesting usage of music that I will get into, not this episode, I will get into it next time we chat, because it has an angle into our our world of horror, actually. Oh, they take okay. a music cue from a, from from one of our movies, quote-unquote. So that's actually very interesting. Okay. Um, but aside from that, we got to give out our plugs, Michael. That's right. That's right. Horrorwolf666. Horrorwolf666. Brandon Legion, who's also yeah. branching out into making his own music, too. Oh, awesome. Yeah, he's doing, like, a bunch of synth themes and that kind of stuff. So... Oh, very cool. Yeah, he's a friend of the show. Um, friend of the show. Yeah, you know, and, and he's a good dude overall. Yes, and of course, Break the Apocalypse podcast. Uh, new episodes every Friday uh, for all of your comedic social commentary kind of needs. Uh, the show is a lot of fun. I think you'll laugh. Um, and... Again, I'm going to throw it out for Agitators Anonymous. I've been listening to it every week. Uh, Alan Averill from Primordial. I just, I really like it. We, Mike and I are not his buddy. We, uh, we, we don't hang out with him. But uh, honestly, I, I, I really enjoy his show. And I like what he has to say. So if, if you want to check out Alan from Primordial's podcast, Agitators Anonymous, I think you should check that out too. How about that? Yeah, and he, um, he, you know, he's always he's been a guest on uh, my my good friend Jackie Smith's uh, podcast, into mm -hmm. the into the necrosphere, which is into also the necrosphere, an, another friend of the show, incredible, yes. incredible black metal extreme music uh, podcast. Cool, cool. Uh, speaking of music, um, have you checked out Malefic Throne yet? You know, that's a name that I heard on Jackie's show. And I haven't uh -huh. actually actually heard it, heard it yet. Well, Mike and listeners, uh, some listeners may know, this is the band featuring Morbid Angel's Steve Tucker and Ooh. Gene Paolubicki from Angel Corpse and, you know, friggin' uh, Unearth oh Films. <laughs> yeah, know, yes. Uh, it is awesome death metal. I mean, picture Angel Corpse crossed with Morbid Angel. And that's kind of what you're going to get here. They just dropped an EP on uh, Hell's Headbangers. I think it's sometime in January. Um, I actually got the CD because I'm back on CDs, quote unquote. Yeah, man. So I got the CD and it's fucking great. Uh, check it out. Malefic Throne. Really good death metal. I don't know if they're going to be doing any gigs or anything, but uh, I would go if they did, you know. Well, that sounds it, uh, right up my alley, man. Yes, I think you will dig it. Uh, also, on the death metal front, uh, went to a great show this past Saturday at St. Vitus. I saw Malignant Altar from Texas, uh, who have a new EP out on Dark Descent, which is fucking amazing. And Innumerable Forms, uh, who are on Profound Law, Lore. Uh, another band I've been listening to for at least about two years or so, but never got to see them live. The show was fucking packed. It was great. Um, I mean, look, man. Death metal is, is is alive and well, Mike. Oh, you you don't gotta tell me, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I, I there's so many new great bands in the death and black metal scene right now, and mm -hmm. uh, and bands that have been around for a while that are just now starting to get some visibility, which I think is cool. I mean, a, a perfect example. I mean, look, they've always been visible, but the new Immolation literally might be one of the best things they've ever done. Uh, that's how much I dig it. Uh, it's called Acts of God. They're a band that I saw for the first time in 1992, which might have been before some of you listening were born. So that is how far back I go with Immolation. It was Immolation, Entombed, and Incantation, Mike. It was quite a show. That, that is a pretty um, sick show. Yes, uh, at L'Amour. Um, and yeah, their new record on Nuclear Blast is fucking great. They're going to be hitting New York City in a couple of weeks with our buddies Black Anvil uh, and Mortician. Uh, that's going to be an insane show. And, and Demolition Hammer, too. And Demolition Hammer, another New York institution. That show is going to be a lot of fun. And a great new New York City death metal band, Funeral Leech. So, yeah, New York City people, go to the show. I'm sure you're already going. I mean, right? I, I have tickets already, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, there's another great – well – you know of course cannibal corpse is playing in a few days so that's going to be great yeah show. mike and i will be at that uh that should be fun i've never been to brooklyn steel have you no no they're um 
there was a couple of shows there that uh, I thought about going to pre-pandemic, but I, I haven't actually gone to see anyone there yet. Oh, yeah. By the way, my brain fart with Gene from uh, Angel Corpse was Perdition Temple. I saw them with uh, Campbell Corpse, actually. Yes, I love them. I yeah. couldn't think of that name for a minute because, you know, I'm going crazy. But yes, uh, yeah, I had, had to backtrack on that one. Um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of metal listening lately um, and a lot of streaming service watching. Um, that that immolation is gonna is definitely already on my list for for top records of 2022 for sure. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. I'm kind of drawing a blank as to what's gonna drop this year, like full length wise. I mean, I'm sure there's gonna be great stuff, obviously, but as far as like the early year contender, I think we have a very good good early year contender already. Well, as you know, Mike. I, I talk quite a bit about these Australian death and black metal bands. And uh, mm -hmm. there's a new werewolves record coming out this year too, which is going to be awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah, Very cool. I'm excited about that. That's a, that's a record I've been looking forward to. Sick. Yeah. Um, but anyway, folks, horror movies, <laughs> horror movies. That's why we're here. Many moons ago, there was a movie in the early seventies that really, left a dent in, in not just horror, I think in the, in the cinematic world, right, Mike? And that movie was called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by a very young Toby Hooper with his friends in it, his friends from college. It was made with, you know, you know money that was scraped up. I mean, it, it, there's a million stories about that movie. There's, there's a book that I have about that movie. Um, and honestly, if, if there's a list of the 10 greatest horror movies of all time, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is on that list. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just, it's an important film, period. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Last House on the Left, and Henry mm -hmm. Portrait of a Serial Killer are, are like, to me, even though Henry, Henry came out much later, mm -hmm. are like, three of the most important films in like extreme film. You know what I mean? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, there are people to this day that for a movie that's literally almost 50 years old that find uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre a hard watch. That, that's that got to say something, you know? Well, yeah, um, exactly. Like people feel like they're watching a documentary and not a movie. Like they, it's, it has this, it has this sheen that it always has had that it's real, you know? That's like one of the best things about that movie, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you didn't know who Toby Hooper was at the time, and you didn't no. know who any of the actors were, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it just literally looks like a bunch of desperate people got together and made this movie, and may maybe someone was killed in the making, or maybe it was real, <laughs> right. or maybe this yeah. family was like a real family, you know? There mm -hmm. was that vibe, you know? And, you know, I didn't see it in the 70s, you know, I saw it, in the, in the 80s, 80s you know what i mean yeah, and, me and mm -hmm. but still it was really i guess that's why i lump it in with henry too because um mm -hmm. you know in the 70s I, I was way too young to it, see it you know it's a landmark film and and movies like henry portrait seal killer and and last house on the left that they're, they're kind of landmark horror films they're they're movies that kind of stand on their own and they inspired a lot of other you know directors and and movies and, you know, they've had their praises sung for a long time, as they should. And uh, which brings us to tonight's film, <laughs> which shares the same name. Uh, the 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by David Blue Garcia, which dropped on Netflix just the other day, February 18th. No theatrical for this one, folks. Uh, it went right to Netflix. That is the movie we're going to discuss tonight, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you can tell by our uh, glib tone, glib, is that the word? I'm going to say glib sure. tone. Yeah. Um, we were not in love with this film, listeners. Um, we're just going to come out and say it. We've got some issues. Some of us have even more issues than the other. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what tonight's going to be all about. Well, 
the screenplay, there's there's uh, there's some other people actually involved in this besides uh, you know David Blue Garcia. The screenplay is by yeah. uh, a guy, Chris Thomas Devlin, mm-hmm. and the story was by Fede Alvarez and Rado. Se- I'm gonna kill this guy's name, man. I apologize. Mm. Well, Sayagwe, who are the guys who did their, the, the uh, Evil Dead remake. Yes. And let me tell you, listeners, I enjoyed Evil Dead 2013. I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah and I enjoyed Don't Breathe from 2016. These guys did Don't Breathe. Yeah. Uh, so, but that that's the, now this is, this fact is going to come up maybe later on in some of the theories, some of the conspiracy theories I have about this, uh, <laughs> about the the origin of this movie you know what i mean so we'll we'll reserve that to a later on in the episode all right it it needs to be said though okay this film was a bit troubled because even going back to like 2017 after the release of leatherface from 2017 a movie that i i gotta be honest listeners i think i saw it i don't i'd have to watch it again um, I'm not hundred percent saw, uh, sure. I even saw it. I might not have even seen it after that movie, Lionsgate, who had the rights to the franchise, uh, they had plans for five more films, five. Yes. But the thing is Lionsgate lost the rights over the course of the years. Okay. And then legendary films acquired the rights with Alvarez and Sayugas serving as producers, producers, not, you know, uh, story writers alongside Pat Cassidy, Ian Hankel and Kim Hankel, who wrote the original fucking movie. Okay. The Hankels. Oh, okay. Um, All right. right. So uh, I, I think I do remember hearing a few back about this new movie. And that it was in the hands of some competent people, okay? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That the uh, the resume is is good, right? You know what I mean, but this movie was literally filmed. It was filmed apparently in August of 2020. Um, look, it was filmed in the midst of the pandemic, not in America, in Bulgaria, which is a little odd. I'm gonna say, right? I mean, but look, I think if you were making a movie in 2020. You had to go where you had to go, right? Because of the pandemic. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but then again, Texas—they were, you know, they were—they were just like raging full on down there. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, look, there could be a whole host of reasons. Yeah. Uh, as to why it was in Bulgaria, I'm sure a lot of them are financial reasons. It's you know, truthfully, right? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. But apparently, there was even some troubles while they were making it, and. Um, well, let's just say maybe that kind of shows through in the film itself, Mike. No, I mean, I, I uh, sometimes a troubled production doesn't always end up uh, on screen as a banger film. Yeah, you know, and basically, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I had a lot of issues with this movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I uh, when I heard this was coming out, I was very dubious. Okay. But then I saw the trailer for it Mm -hmm. and I got, you know, I wouldn't say excited, but I was like, yeah, you know what? This might not be half bad. You know, there's some Mm -hmm. cool, like it looks good. There was like, you know, the the Leatherface character looked good. Um, You know, it's got uh, Owen for, for, for air as as (laughs) the uh, Sally Hardesty, you know, the sole survivor of the first. The bring. Look, when I heard that she would be, was going to be in the movie, I was excited. You know, I thought that that was a good thing, yeah. right? And, you know, and that actress, Owen Freer, is, uh, sorry um, for killing that name. <laughs> but, you know, she was in Mandy, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she's been in some other things. And I think she's you know, a great I think she's always good. She's always a very competent, very solid actress. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, that, that's, you know she's older. It's like a direct sequel. You know, they're they're cutting out all of the other movies that were made in the subsequent years. And um, right. So I'm they like, pulled okay. the Halloween, they pulled the Halloween. Yeah. It, it, well, you know, that that's 
basically that's, well did that's they really they did. pull halloween yes that's, because i'm going to say that halloween though i you know i didn't i liked the halloween films i figured well okay if they do as at least as good as they did on the halloween movies we'll be in business i'll 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 i'll, I'll be satisfied with texas chainsaw massacre 2022 but that yeah. was a, that was a big if though you know um, gotta do. I'm gonna share a little more about the backstory, just just to you know, for the hell of it. And I think it's kind of important, right, about the development and and some yeah, of the, no, the obstacles, the obstacles. And this is from Wikipedia. You you could you know, you can read it for yourself. Okay. Initially, during development of Leatherface, the 2017 film that I mentioned before, like I said, the producers had the film rights and intention to make five more Texas Chainsaw Massacres. In April 2015, producer Krista Campbell stated that the fate of potential sequels would largely depend on the financial and critical reception of Leatherface. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, by December 2017, Lionsgate and Millennium lost the film rights due to the amount of time it took to release Leatherface. Leatherface took two years to come out. Okay. Uh, the one that dropped in 2017. By August 2018, it was reported that Legendary Pictures had entered into preliminary negotiations to purchase the film rights to the to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, with the studio intending to adapt a television and film installments. Okay? That's what Legendary wanted to do. Uh, the following year, Fede Alvarez signed on as producer. Cut to 2019, Chris Thomas Devlin joins as producer and screenwriter. Cut to February 2020. Ryan Tohill and Andy Tohill are hired as directors of this film with an Angus Mitchell signed on as cinematographer after their collaboration on a film called The Dig. Once more, in May of that year, it was announced that the film would go as a, as a direct sequel to the original, which will feature a 60-year-old Leatherface, which, by the way, doesn't end up. Uh, the, the age, uh, noticeably similar to the approach that Bloomhouse Productions took with their Halloween films. February 2022, Alvarez clarifies that the events of the original sequels took place in the film's continuity. Huh? huh I don't think that makes uh, any sense. That doesn't make any yeah. sense either. Yeah. Anyway, so look, there's a shit ton of changing of hands, right, Mike? There's a shit ton of different producers there's a shit ton of writers it there's all sorts of fucking problems okay um like i said not the best recipe for what you're going to trot out as a direct sequel to one of the best horror movies ever made i mean look let's just say halloween has had its bumps in the road but they kind of came right out of the gate and said nope we're throwing all the sequels in the toilet this is a direct sequel to the original. And let's be honest, I think they succeeded in that Halloween one follow-up, which I, I think is a good film. It's much better than Halloween Kills. It did gangbusters, and it was a critical darling, as you remember, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I came around to that. I didn't really like it at first, but I came around to Halloween the first uh the first of the right. two, yeah. On paper? If you were to tell me, you know, six months ago, a year ago, we're going to do this with Leatherface. We're going to do this with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'd be like, okay, let's go. I'll watch that, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. Again, I was excited about this movie. <laughs> I really was, actually. You and I talked about how excited we were for the movie. Um, but I just think, ultimately, it's a poor film overall and does not compare to halloween 2018 i believe right 2018 yeah, that was one of the, yeah, the first um uh, i think they're two very different films and, and i think ultimately this movie tried in some ways to be that film and did not succeed well clearly because well let, let's get into a little bit of the points of this film because uh mm -hmm. sally hardesty is is like the Jamie Lee Curtis of this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. the character, the survivor of the first movie. Mm -hmm. You know, she's uh, the way they show it in the trailer. Uh, 
you think the, this, the movie is going to be following her and her revenge obsession. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not, that's like a, a footnote in this film. It, it really isn't even about her at all. Well, unfortunately, we couldn't get the original uh, Sally Hardesty, which was uh, portrayed by Marilyn Burns, who uh, passed away in 2014. Right. She was fucking great. Uh, met her at a con. And I, I, I always thought that her acting for a complete amateur in that movie was really something. I mean, it looks like to this day, I feel like she looks like she's about to be killed in this whole fucking movie, especially once they have her in the house and that ending. And it's just, I mean, come on. Like if, if there's like a, you know, awards to be given out uh, to, to the classic horror actors, she should have an award for that, that portrayal. I always thought, I always thought she was amazing. Um, you're going to bring her back that character, Sally for this movie. Um, and I just felt like they didn't give her anything and they didn't really give us anything as maybe a fan of that character. It's just like, she's just kind of there waiting and ready to go. Kind of, you know, like, I don't know. I thought it was thrown together that whole angle. That, that also feeds into my conspiracy theory about this movie, which we'll, we'll get to, <laughs> we'll get to that. All right. Now. All right. We're a little all over the place. But it's okay because I think this movie's a little all over the place. Uh, we have Sarah Yarkin uh, in the cast as Melody, a uh, San Francisco moneymaker who drags her sister to Texas on a business trip out of fear of leaving her alone in the city. Uh, Elsie Fisher, who plays Lila, Melody's sister, who's an amateur photographer. Uh, she survived a school shooting that left her with a traumatic injury. Uh, these are very young actresses. Apparently, Elsie Fisher is literally only 18 years old. Shot the, you know, she was like 16 or 17 when they were shooting the film, uh, which I only learned in my in my research for this. Uh, it's usually not the case. I feel like in some of these really heavier horror films that they don't get super young people. But yeah, she's quite young, um, and it's a pretty intense role. Uh, I thought that her little side story of the school shooting again not very fleshed out. Uh, it's just kind of like in these flashbacks and she's kind of laying on the floor and I don't know. I feel like it was basically just to make her a damaged person, you know, going in. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's part of like the current climate of like, right. Know, okay. School shootings, the like the box, yeah, right. Like, click the school shooting box. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, which I always, I always love when they do that in these movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> We have Mark Burnham as Leatherface. I'm going to say he does a good job. He's 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 not a bad Leatherface. No, uh, definitely. Yeah. The fact that this movie ain't that great is not his fault. Let's just say that. I'll say that. He's quite good, actually. Uh, he's a big guy, and he, he wields a chainsaw cool, and his killings are cool, and he's a positive. I would say he's a definite positive. So we'll Jacob keep, Lattimore. We'll, we'll keep mm -hmm. him. We'll keep him. Yes, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, Jacob Lattimore is Dante Spivey, a close friend of Melody and Lila, and Mo Dunford as Richter, the mechanic who befriends Lila. Hit another character that's just like kind of there, I thought. The, the mechanic guy? I mean, well, he's, he, he's kind of important. He was there to represent uh, Trump's America. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the Again, Ma MAGA it, kind of guy. You know, it's there's like... that, and it clicks a box, and then there's the whole... Uh, you know, rebel flag thing in the movie, and I just like, I don't know, box box checking, Michael. Yes. That's what I'm calling some of these things. What do you think about that? Oh, I do. You know, I think, you know, it's a very, uh, very much in that in that sort of environment of uh, you know, people on Twitter, and I don't know. It's just, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm trying to like, say. It's and, and, and I don't look, I don't want that in 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 a look, film. Man, like some this. of the some of the real haters are going real hate on this and calling this a woke piece of garbage and this and that. I don't know if I would say it is a woke piece of garbage, honestly, but we're going to get into that, you know, when yeah. we give our scores. Yeah. Um, but again, there's some weird, you know, box checking going on. Uh, Nell Hudson as Ruth, Dante's girlfriend, Alice Krieg. Okay. 
as Virginia Jenny McCumber, the owner of Leatherface's current home. Now, we will tell you, listeners, Leatherface, who has survived since 1974, okay, um, and again, this is modern day, is living in what is a semi-abandoned orphanage with this woman there. And he's been there for literally almost 50 years, okay? I don't, I mean, look, has he killed since? Maybe, right? We don't really know what the fuck he's been doing for 50 years because this film doesn't tell us that, <laughs> you know? This this was um, one of the biggest failures of the movie, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is like, all right, look, you know, who, who number one, who the fuck is this lady, okay? <laughs> Yes, she's clearly not his mother. Right. His mother would be like ninety-five years old. But like, also, if this is a sense. direct, if this is a direct sequel to the first one, his mother is like a desiccated corpse, like in that in right. the attic of that house, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So all of the all of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films, for the most part, I mean, I, I maybe maybe I, I rewatched the first three over the weekend, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, it's like a it's based around a, a group, like a family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's the the grandfather. You know, mm-hmm. they're making barbecue out of humans. Okay, people. Yeah, that's like a big. That's, that's a, a big part of who they are. That's a who they huge are. Yeah. part of the identity of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre mythos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they completely did not include that in this movie. No cannibalism. No none. cannibalism. None. No, not even really a mention of cannibalism really right like none not, not even mm, a mm. little bit and also you know it's it's been talked up well, for years and years and years about how it's an ed gein kind of you know mm-hmm. riff like the whole Texas chainsaw massacre thing you know was inspired by the story of ed gein who you know was a cannibal like uh you know uh you know made made you know furniture and stuff out of human bones and you know so there was that whole mythos that whole backstory that it, mm-hmm. i mean leatherface could have just been any random person he didn't even have to be leatherface to be in this movie yes um although i i did i did give him props a minute ago i will say yes he does do some things in this film that i don't think leatherface would ever have done at right all, right way. but the guy who played um, leatherface was great but if he had a, a better story a better script you know like the the whole thing was done better he would mm-hmm. have been a great guy to play leatherface um, listeners of note, John Larroquette returns to reprise his role as the film's narrator at yes. the beginning. Yep. If you know your Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know that is his voice when he was a, a young man in the original movie. And it is also his voice in the 2003 remake. I want to say something about the 2003 remake with the lovely Jessica Biel, um, which was produced by Michael Bay. Okay. Uh, I liked that film. I saw in the theater. That movie did quite well. Uh, it was directed by Marcus Nispel, and it was a part of that kind of horror rebirth kickoff in the O's of the remakes. And I kind of regard this one as being pretty good. Now, listen, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I did see in the theater. I have great memory of that, and I enjoyed it. And, you know, um, that one was shot in Texas. It was not shot in Bulgaria. Um, I do want to, I I think I am going to go back and watch that again to see if I still think it's a good movie. I have a funny feeling I I am going to still like it, but I thought it was cool that they did bring John Larroquette back uh, at the beginning. Um, Now, yeah, there's just just weird decisions and and weird things in this movie. Um, Did you find like the, the four you know, the two sisters and the two friends, whatever. Did you have any empathy? Did you like these people, Mike? Well, no, because they actually were trying to pull a fast one on the on the old lady. You know, they, they didn't the have town. their shit together right, in the right. town. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. like, they're already, like, unlikable, you know? Yeah, they're trying to kind of, you know, get all the, the deeds for these uh, properties on a town that used to be, like, thriving, and now it's kind of a ghost town, and they're these kind of hipster gentrifiers that have unfortunately illegally done this as we find out that they don't have everything in place to do what they're doing so yeah it kind of makes you dislike them um the two sisters uh sarah 
uh, Yarkin and Elise Fisher. I started out not really giving a fuck about them. I, I will say as the movie went on, I, I came around a little with them, but ultimately I just thought that the cast choices were just kind of interesting. Like there was, there was no, I mean, look, they usually stack a horror movie with like a sexy girl or a pretty girl. True or false? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know. this time around, I felt like, again, maybe some box clicking. It was a concerted effort to have everybody be very kind of plain, you know, or very kind of uh, like, I don't know, maybe it was they went for something a little more realistic. I will say the, the two actresses playing the sisters, yeah, they look like sisters. They look like they could have been sisters, which is a plus, which is nice to see. Um, and I don't know. I just interesting choices in this film. I just feel like in in several places, uh, cast included. Right? No. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, they 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 look just like these women that you might they might work in like an office that you work out or something. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, hey, you know, uh, I I. Uh, the, the, typically, these movies, like you mentioned, are, are stacked with, um, you know, sexy women, you know. And, yeah, or like some kind of, you know, eye candy, quote unquote. And if there was a, a conscious uh, effort to take that away, that's interesting, you know, in of itself. Well, let, let's go um, back to the first film. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, very attractive ladies in that movie. Yes, in the OG, yeah, the the two main girls, absolutely. But yeah. they they look just they also look like normal seventies women, you know. Yes, like there mm -hmm. wasn't anything. I mean, I mean, it's an exploitation film, <laughs> you know. Right. But but I don't know. I you know that, they, that was they were something I, they were I, college kids. Um, yeah. you know, Marilyn Burns was a college kid. I mean, it's literally you know <laughs> they were not real actors. They were. I mean, they were kind of real actors. They were struggling actors, you know, some of them. Some of them weren't actors at all. <laughs> it's just they were friends of Hoopers, you know? Yeah. Um, which, again, makes that movie so great and so special. Um, the thing is, look, it's hard to, to live up to the OG Gunnar Hansen Leatherface. It's almost impossible, really, right? I. It's just that soul performance that he did in that movie it was so special and so like dark and disturbing and it was just unlike anything i'd ever seen before at that time and to a degree you you've never really seen it again you know well like i said i watched the first three over the weekend in preparation mm -hmm. for this and uh the first man i hadn't seen the first one in a, in a while mm -hmm. and it it actually, there are moments where it's actually this beautifully shot film, mm -hmm. you know, even though, it, you know, it's, it's like a grainier kind of vibe to it. It's got a raw look to it, but it's like, it's like really creative and artistic, that film, you know? No, it's just, absolutely. And, and it's brutal and dark and scary and un uncomfortable and not That's a lot of blood. Word. It is very, uncomfortable. Very, yes. uh, very intense, uncomfortable. very tense, you know? No tension at all in this re in this sequel, you know, this 2022 um, version. No, um, and it's not all that uncomfortable, really. Not really. I mean, maybe towards the very, very end. Um, there's a very uh, popular scene uh, where Leatherface gets on a party bus, okay? <laughs> well, I'll give away this particular scene. We're not going to give away the ending. That's I think, our new the, I think this is in the trailer, so it's cool. To, like, yeah, it's in the trailer. That. And Leatherface goes to town on everybody on the bus who initially hold up their phones to film him. It is a cringe. I'm sorry. Look, I I know some of our listeners really enjoyed this film. Uh, I I found it, you know, I found that scene to be just god awful, Mike. I, I just thought it was so dumb. Well, yeah, and so on Leatherface. Yeah, very on Leatherface. It it was like. If this was like Texas Chainsaw Massacre nine, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you know how like as like with Halloween and you know Friday thirteenth, they get silly, you know, by the time they yeah. get to like the, the ninth and tenth installments. That would have yep. been at home in like Texas Chainsaw Massacre seven or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. where it's like, okay, now we're now we're we're just, you know, having fun. 
But they're like those later era Freddy movies. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And, uh, but they're, they're trying to present this to us as, oh, okay, we're, you know, we're just continuing the storyline. And they also make references to cancel culture and all this bullshit. I'm like, yes. I'm like, dude, like, like, stop. Stop, it, let's, I, I watch these movies to get away from this kind of thing. You know what I mean? I, I he, all I hear about is cancel culture and this, and you know, this person's racist and this guy's a, you know, a Nazi and all. And it's just like, right. right. I, I want to watch a, a film that exists outside of that environment so that I can feel not like I'm being beaten over the head with these things all the time. Right. And again, we, I was so excited. I, I, you know, I, I watched it early in the evening when it came out on that Friday and, and I was just like, Oh man. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I brought up some of the things I did like about it. Um, and I, I've come around to landing on actually liking the, the two sisters. Um, which I initially wasn't really sure if I liked them or not. Um, but I don't know. I mean, uh, it's interesting, listeners. Some of you probably know there's like wild back and forths going on about this movie. <laughs> there are people who really hated it. There are people who loved it. And then there are the people who are getting mad at the people who hated it because those people are elitists who don't let people enjoy anything. And then they're pointing out some sillier parts of the original and saying that it's the same thing as the new one. And it's just like, really, really? I don't think there is a, a, an actual comparison between no. the original movie and this movie. I think you're reaching. If you think that they're the same movie, I think you're out of your mind. Um, and I think, yes, it is okay to be a little elitist quote unquote, and to want, quality out of a movie that is a follow-up to an amazing fucking movie that's it what yeah, do you think I, I agree you know i mean what to be to be like to, ha- to have standards about the things that you like you know of course yeah it's just i don't like everything you know i mean i yeah there's plenty of horror i mean i i will watch any horror movie i will to yeah, watch i'll but, watch it mm-hmm. but to enjoy it and be like oh this is great you got it's got to be pretty good for me you know, to, to give it, and I, and I, I am very, you know, I got a wide bandwidth of films that I like, you know, but this one, it just didn't seem like it was part, like they were, they were, they were selling you something. It was like this fake advertising or something. They tried to sell you this story as being part of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre mythos. And it really, in yeah, my opinion, it yeah. didn't even have anything to do with anything. You know, they, exactly. They, I just, they tacked on Sally Hardesty, you know, like she was like an afterthought where if it was truly going to if it was going to be like a sequel that it should be about her. Right. Yes. I would have liked to have known a lot more about what she's been doing for, I don't know, 48, 49 years. Um, and just to have her kind of thrown in there and I don't know. And then the whole orphanage thing and. Yeah. And the and all the box clicking and the weird social commentary and that doesn't really even, you know, I don't know, it, it may fit or may not fit. It's just like, eh, yeah. it was a swing and a miss there. Um, as far as what, you know, uh, the reviewers and the sites have been saying, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't skimp on the gore, but Leatherface may have irrevocably lost his ability to terrify. That's what Rotten Tomatoes said. Uh, Metacritic uh, gave it a 35 out of 100, uh, indicating generally unfavorable reviews. Deadline Hollywood. The real horror here is the modernizing of the content by merging social media, social issues, and Twitter buzzwords in a careless fashion that makes it hard to latch onto anything substantial. Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank That's you exactly how I feel about it. You know, and those the, those things in there, like they just. It, it just fell flat, didn't belong there, you know. Um, David Sims of The Atlantic said that the film feels unnecessary and anonymous, leaning on crass visual shocks while failing to match the unsparing brutality of its lodestar. Well, obviously. Well, there you go. Uh, Associated Press, did we need another one of these movies? Sadly, given the lack of imagination, creativity, or basic attention to logic, in a perfunctory and downright silly script, the answer is a resounding no. 
Uh, I have seen some of the more horror-based sites give it a little more love. Um, I know one of my buddies, Uncle Creepy, who is very known in the horror community, seemed to really enjoy the movie. Um, a couple other, my quote-unquote horror friends, seemed to enjoy it for what it was. But a lot of people are throwing the, it was just mindless fun around. And it's just oh, like, you know. no, that's not, that's not. No, that's not what I wanted here. Well, I, I mean, want mindless it, fun here. If it was going to be mindless fun, then they should have foregone all the social commentary and made it truly mindless fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, part two, which I like more than you, uh, we, we established that before we hit, you know, hit play here, hit record here. Yeah. Um, that can be a bit goofy and a bit campy at times. However, it gets very dark, that movie, and very violent, and I think hits the right notes and the right buttons for its, you know, mid-80s time, and, you know, Bill Mosley's performance is fucking insane, and yeah. it's, it's a far superior film, I think, ultimately from this 2022 film. Um, again, I'm seeing some comparisons to that one, and it's like, well, if you like that, how can you not like this one? And it's well, that, like, that one's a dark comedy. I mean, that. Yes. It's, they play that it one is. up just as a dark comedy, you know? They kind of did, yeah. Although when I was a kid, I was horrified by that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, me, me too. I, I just was didn't... really scared of part yeah, two. Yeah, I definitely. mean, one and two, honestly. But yeah. two was really disturbing to me. Like when he's taking the guy's face off at the radio station. Like that kind of fucked me up a little bit when I was a young kid. But, um, you know, look, uh, again, this movie has some, some interesting moments. Uh, the kills are quite good. The gore and effects are quite good, but I think maybe it's my age. Maybe it's what I've seen. Maybe it's what I like and what I'm accustomed to. I want more. I, I expect a little more. I expect more out of, again, a quote unquote, the direct sequel line. Um, if you're going to do that, step it up, Mike. That's, that's how I feel. Well, definitely the gore effects, you know, we're on point. The, the ending final scene was good uh very interesting ending yeah we're not gonna reveal it because yeah. i don't want to we don't want to spoil it. it's a brand new movie don't want to spoil a brand new movie um pretty jarring didn't think that was gonna happen yeah. i'll say that <laughs> and that that gave any any positive uh you know commentary that i have is because of the ending of the film because it was like mm. all right okay i'm, I'm kind of down with that you know yeah um i mean i don't know I actually struggle with my scoring of this film, to be completely honest, um, because ultimately I'm landing on you need to see this movie as as a as a modern horror fan, you know, as a as a as someone keeping up with with kind of what's going on out there, and especially if you're a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan, I'm sure you've seen the movie already, or if you're waiting to see it, see it. Just don't don't take other people's word for it. Watch it for yourself. Um, you know, it is funny when you're listening to a site that reviews horror movie to say, don't take our word for it. But what I mean by that is, you know, there may be things about this movie you're going to like about it that either we did not like or vice versa. Right. I mean, yeah, um, maybe you like the social commentary stuff as a younger person or maybe you're an older person that sees that as completely unnecessary. And like I said, might have fallen quite flat. Um, I landed on a three out of five uh from what might have been a 2.5 because i do think that look it is worth seeing to see for yourself you know uh i think this is going to be a controversial movie for the ages though i'll say that and it makes it kind of fun you know it, it's kind of fun to see the freak out uh over this movie because there has been a bit of a freak out uh, uh with reactions so i landed on yeah. three out of five <laughs> Yeah, people just fly off the handle these days over anything. So I'm not surprised that there's if someone if you don't agree with someone, they're gonna call you all kinds of names and you know. Oh yeah, you're, yeah. You're, a, you're a white supremacist because you don't <laughs> you didn't like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or you you didn't like the social commentary. So you're you're like a Trump supporter, anti-vaxer. You know that's. Well, that, that, I was waiting for some kind of vax thing in that yeah, movie. Which that's did all not that come, was. That's God. all that was, was missing. Waiting. That's all that was missing. You know. But uh, I don't believe in calling people names because they have different opinions. You know, I no. I like when no. people have different opinions. But for me, 
I have to go with a one on this, man. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're going with a one. Wow. And I, and I, I would I want to expand on this a little bit too because okay. my conspiracy theory <laughs> is that this script was not originally intended to be a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film mm-hmm. because of the things we talked about. Right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You have a family making barbecue out of human people, out of human beings, out of people, and selling it, right? Big, that's a consistent plot point yes. in all the fucking movies, you know? Texas mm-hmm. Chainsaw Massacre 2, they win, they win a you know, fucking prize for it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean... And, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, that's and missing. That I is wa- missing. Yeah, I, I watched uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Leatherface, mm-hmm. you know, the one that's got Viggo Mortensen in it. Wow, that's right. They're mm. selling, selling barbecue. You know, there's, mm. there's the creepy bone furniture, you know? None of that mm-hmm. stuff is in this movie. There's no mother figure. It's a, no. it's a, a grandfather who's like basically a corpse, you know? Well, the thing is, look, all the all the relatives are dead. Okay, if if the, the, at least they stuck by uh, some somewhat of a timeline because I think everyone would be dead or anybody else in that house. Okay, except for Leatherface, he was the younger brother. Blah blah blah. Right? He was you know the kid, quote unquote. But he would be a seventy year old man fifty years later. Well, so in, in the other sequels, though, it's not necessarily all the same family members. That's the thing. You know, I mean, right? They change it around. They, they change, change it around. up. You know, like Vigo mm-hmm. wasn't. His character wasn't in the original, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the crazy, like, uh, Gibby Haynes-looking guy from the first movie. <laughs> like, Look, nine movies in. I think this is literally the sloppiest uh, of, like, series, timeline. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's definitely, like, Halloween, there's, you know, it, it's there's a couple of key timelines. Somebody broke out the key timelines of Texture Chainsaw Massacre. But they're still a little odd uh, if you watch them. Um, there is a, a meme or whatever going around that does break down all nine of these movies. Um, but again, like, I, I look, to me, I feel like it's not even so much that it's a franchise, Texas. It's one really fucking great movie. Yeah. Like it, one it, great movie. Absolutely. You know, I, I want to finish what I was saying, though, about this. My conspiracy yeah, sorry theory about that. I got. Yeah. So, so. The, the the character of Leatherface, like the setting, you know, mm-hmm. you got this guy in, a, in an orphanage, right? And, you know, this old lady who may or may not be his mother or some relative take care of him. He doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be Leatherface. He could be just some random killer, like some random oh, oh, yeah. uh-huh. mentally deranged guy that reacts to his mother figure being swindled and dying, right? And the people taking over the town. Now, that is totally out of the behavior pattern of Leatherface. Yes. Like, he's not looking, get, he's not getting back at it. Yeah, he's not getting back <laughs> at anybody. He's just mm. killing, yeah. basically killing because his family's telling him to go out there and kill people so they can make barbecue out of them. Yeah. So, none of this stuff really even fits. And that's why I think this, this script was not intended to be a, leather, a Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre script. Yeah, this, you know what? I don't know if I'm whole hog in there, but I I can get on board with a lot of what you just said. I got to be honest. You know, Um, yeah. And and also Sally Sally Hardesty, right? That should be your main character in this fucking movie. She shows up out of the blue. (laughs) And then like, she's in the movie for what? Like five minutes maybe, you know, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And and it really is not, has, it exists parallel to the story narrative you know and there's the funny meme i shared about the the halloween uh you know texas 2022 copying the homework off of halloween it's pretty funny uh which again you know let's be honest that's kind of what they did here and it didn't really hit the mark uh, honestly Um, you know and some listeners well well, mike you gave it a three well i it's it's kind of like a three with an asterisk um (laughs) i i do think Look, I think we're always going to check out these new ones. Mike and I and, and the listeners and the fans, we're always going to just see these movies 
just just to 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 check them out and see what they're doing with it. However, if they churn out garbage, then well, they'll get called on their garbage, and that that's it. Yeah, you know, you know and and you know, go out there and watch it for sure, man. I mean, don't don't tell them. You know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't see this film. I mean, I, I think you should go out there and make up your own mind, and you know, and if you like it, that's fine too. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna like like uh, attack you online or unfollow you on Facebook or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not. If you like it, good for you. You got something out of it. I didn't like it, you know. So don't you know? Don't come at me because I didn't like it, right. you know. But it's like, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like the whole elitism and gatekeeping and blah blah blah. Like I mean, it actually, just makes me laugh when I read that. Dude, um, these motherfuckers out there, it's a fucking movie, man. You know, it's like we do we do this right. we do this for fun. Like we go out and watch horror films because it's escapism you know and yeah. it and we enjoy ourselves and we have fun and we t like to debate certain topics you know we're not uh you know th this isn't like a high debate you know what i mean so <laughs> i don't know like i don't i no. never understood all this this vehement you know arguing and you know those fuck this guy you know like it's a fucking movie man i'm just amazed that they sat in a, in a room somewhere and felt that when Leatherface comes on the bu bus, everyone is going to hold up their phones and talk about canceling him and thought that that was a great idea. Oh, I, that, I, that, I, yeah. I'm, I'm a little beside myself on that, honestly. Uh, maybe it's because I'm 48, but I don't, I don't know, man. My, uh, my, know. my preference would be if the story was a smaller story, you know yeah. what I mean? Like where it was mm -hmm. like, you know, like that, that's how these types of films work where there's like, people from out of town small group you're traveling you know you don't really know the lay of the land you have to trust someone and then you get killed by the leatherface crew you know and then you're in yeah the or maybe even leatherface going after like the four friends and you know some of the people in the town and maybe that's about it and not having a whole bus show up and all this stupid shit and you know what i'm saying like i don't know like they could have shaved it down a bit maybe you know I, I also don't see him living in a town necessarily either i see that that guy yeah, living man. in a shack somewhere in the middle of the desert you know yeah it's just it's weird and i always thought that he was like mentally ill mentally retarded leatherface right yeah and i don't think that's the leatherface that was in this movie right like it's just i don't know he seemed to be too smart. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, I could be wrong. It, it was almost like they were giving him some kind of justification for chainsawing all these people, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, by the fact that, oh, well, you know, they actually, you know, swindled the old lady. He wasn't on the up and up. So now he's justified right. for murdering all these fucking people. And then the bus shows up and he's justified for cutting these people up because they're annoying. You know, it's like, I don't know. Like, they're trying to give you this some kind of fake insight and, and, and giving, you know what I mean? Whereas the, the, the more effective character is he's like mentally deranged and he's being sort of victimized by his family and manipulated by them to mm -hmm. go out and, and kill these people so they can make, you know, barbecue out of them. That's, that's like, <laughs> that's like a scarier thing, man. You know, I think that's, yeah. that's more disturbing and that's the essence of the movie, man. The essence of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like re repugnant. It's uncomfortable. You know, it's it's really creepy and unclean feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. And that that's that's the you know, first one hits all those notes, man. And the fact, you know, with the makeup and the the you know, the 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 apron and all that stuff, just all that stuff, man. Like the slaughterhouse. They didn't mm -hmm. even talk about slaughterhouses in this at nope. all. Nothing. Nope. Yeah, again, you know, look, Mike gives it a, a one. I, I give it a three. Uh, some listeners, this might be their favorite horror movie of 2022. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, you know, that's great. And that's know? okay, too. It, it's all about, you know, everybody has their own tastes and opinions. But I, I hope, listeners, that when you hear what we have to say, you can, you know, respect our opinion or not, you know, get, you know, if you're a little upset, please let us know. Um we, we welcome it, <laughs> but I don't know. I think this is going to be a bit of a divisive film. And like I said, it's just going to be like a, you know, a topic of debate 
for for a long time to come. And uh, I guess that's not such a bad thing yeah. uh, at the end of the day. And I'm sure it got a lot of eyes on it. And I, I would guess that Netflix is probably happy with the, the amount of people who watched it ultimately, right? Exactly, you know. And if it makes any of you guys feel any better out there, uh, I, I actually like Cold Lake by Celtic Frost. So there you go. See, you guys, he likes that. Right? You guys can make fun of me for that. So yeah, it's you know, and to get you know even a little more obscure on the hardcore side, I like that second uniform choice record, Staring to the Sun. So there you go. I mean, that's you know, on on the hardcore flip, a record that like nobody likes. So, <laughs> um, and I like the second DYS record, which. Even less people, I think, like that uh, than the second uniform choice record. So, uh, yeah, which is the, the quote unquote the metal record. I, I dig it. Well, a lot of those Boston bands kind of went in that direction, like even uh, SSD Control. Yeah, they like, did too. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, theirs is like really, really bad. Like DYS has some like really cool riffs, at least on it, and yeah. has gr the great vocals of Dave Smalley. Um, you know, the vocals get kind of harsh, I think, on those hard rock ssd records in my opinion not not a big fan of his singing vocals no that uh, guy has Spring. no business trying <laughs> to sing yeah. like that springer yeah <laughs> he was a screamer you know yeah but uh well this was fun Hell yeah. um again you know we we welcome the feedback and, and we look forward to it and i just want to give a special shout out to nick d who bought the final uh as it stands for now necromaniacs t-shirt thank you for the support nick very, very cool of you nick has been listening for literally, I think it's episode one. So oh, wow. Thank you so much, man. Right yeah. on, Nick. Thanks, he, man. He's been uh, on board. Um, so, yeah, the Necromaniacs t-shirts are, are floating about the world. <laughs> that's uh, that's some serious uh, dedication, Nick, because, you know, I know there were periods of time where we were not very consistent by putting this out. So, Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know. Thank you so much for that. And thanks uh, and hello to all the new listeners, the old listeners, and everybody who supports us. And um, yeah, thus is the fate of Texas 22, Mike. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next time. Take care. See you next time. Quiet.